Thank you for joining the first in a three-part series focused on strategies for business continuation. This section is focused on an incredibly important and oftentimes difficult topic on succession planning. In our collective 58 years of being involved in consulting with businesses, Ross, Lee, and I have experienced numerous stories where families have not properly planned for the next step in their business. Today, we're going to give some solid points to consider about succession planning. My name is Michael Wardy. I'm a certified financial planner and regional director at Source Advisors, where we consult with CPAs and their clients to identify ways to increase their cash flow through tax advantage strategies, such as the research and development tax credit, cost segregation, and energy efficient incentive programs. I'd also like to introduce Ross Karp, who is the founder and president of 3P Insurance Services and is a certified long-term care specialist. Ross is dedicated to the planning and implementation of a strong protection portfolio for individuals and business owners in order to protect against the unexpected. These include, but are not limited to life insurance, disability insurance, uh, long-term care insurance, as well as group benefits. As a broker, Ross works with major carriers to find the appropriate solutions for each situation. I'd also like to introduce Lee Boss, who is a CPA and managing director at the Mercadian Group. Lee focuses on building relationships and takes a proactive client-facing approach in business. He takes the time to get to know his clients as well as the needs and goal, their needs and goals. As a managing director and chair of the audit and assurance and private, and private company services group, Lee acts as a resource and technical leader for his clients and Mercadian. Gentlemen, welcome and let's get started. Thanks. Thank you. So what I'd like to do is first, can you guys share what you mean and what is meant by the term succession planning? Sure, I, I, I'll jump right in, um, Lee, if you don't mind. Sure, uh, you know, go ahead. In, in, my, in my opinion, from my perspective, it's the, it's the planned transfer of an asset from one party to another. Um, you know, and the goal of this planning is to create a, a smooth process uh, for the transition. So if something happens, and the things that could happen are simple as you've built up a strong, successful, a successful business. It's time to retire. But it also could be in the sense of an emergency. If there's an injury or illness or worst case scenario, a passing, what happens? How does that business continue to flourish and strive versus to go into bankruptcy or to, uh, to, to lose its value? So from my, from my opinion, I think that is one of the key things to look at. Yeah, Ross, and I think that's, you've really hit the nail on the head on the, the background on what succession planning is. Uh, I think I'd just add a couple other things. As, as you pointed out, I think it's really this orderly and planned process, you know, with real focus on those two elements. Um, the planning is just so critical. I always, you know, there's kind of the old adage, you know, those who fail to plan, plan to fail. And I'm not sure that applies 100%, but at least if you don't, if you don't plan, you're probably not going to have the optimal result because 
what we'll see in succession planning is there's a lot of different strategies that can be employed. So it's really something that yeah. you know, we don't we don't advise our clients to do in a haphazard fashion. You know, do it orderly and plan it. And uh, the other key concept is having a the right team of professionals because um, you just there's kind of the old adage too. You you only know what you know. So having a good attorney, having a good insurance professional, a good accountant on board and other professionals too, depending on kind of the strategies that may be employed is really critical. And that those professionals really working as a team, you know, and all being on the same page. So I think, but uh, yeah, I think that's spot on Ross. And uh, the only other thing I would indicate too is just trying to minimize risk through this process. So I know that's gonna be a key element of our, our episodes here that we're gonna to touch on. Absolutely. And there's one last thing I want to add to that, if you don't mind, um, is this is not a you made your plan, you put it in a draw and you forget about it. A plan is something that has to be reviewed every so often because your business will change, circumstances will change, and the people involved uh, could potentially change. So it is something that has to be reviewed periodically to make sure it's refreshed and up to date. That makes sense. That makes sense. And I'm sure a lot of people have thought that they put plans in place, but then it wasn't until after something happened that they realized the wrong plan was put in place. What do you guys think about, you have one group that your, your trusted advisors that builds the plan. Do you ever have people come to you and say, can you just review what they put together just from a second set of eyes. Like when you get a doctor's, uh, um, you go to the doctor and they say, you have this and we need to treat this way. You go for a second opinion. Or is that within your group that you do that? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I say, Michael, there's definitely situations where we come into a situation, you know, perhaps we were not involved initially with this client as part of their succession or exit planning exercise where, you know, we're given a look-see um, to, to evaluate what they've done. And um, often there's things that will be identified through that process, perhaps some things they haven't considered. So maybe they you know, are kind of going down the path of an internal succession, but they haven't evaluated, you know, would an ESOP structure be appropriate in this case? So there's things that, you know, having a fresh set or second set of eyes always helps out. Um, but I think the key also is just, as Ross indicated, you know, things change, things evolve. So a succession plan that you did two years ago where you were, you know, pointing to certain key um, members of your team that you'd likely are succession candidates. Are they still performing? You know, has your industry changed and evolved? Uh, what's the competitive landscape? Are you still, you know, do you still have a competitive advantage in some way or has the market changed? That maybe, you know, maybe it's time to, to look to a different strategy, perhaps a third party sale. Um, but that's a great question. And I'll just add to that, the, you know, the other changes that could happen, you know, you do your plan and all of a sudden the laws change, the taxation rules change. And that is why the periodic review uh, and that second set of eyes sometimes does is helpful because the plan that was created two or three years ago, um, you know, may not work because of a, of a law change, of a taxation change. So, you know, we we on the insurance side don't get too much involved in that. That is more from the attorneys and the accountants to review. On the insurance side, sometimes where we would get involved is when the uh, business owners had insurance in place. 
to make sure that that is up to date and to make sure that they got the right types of policies and the uh, and they're with the right carrier for the for the premium structure. And that makes sense. And I've seen in, in my financial planning years where clients had plans in place, did not review them like you guys have suggested and will continue to talk about. And they had beneficiaries and structures set up that are so outdated that those beneficiaries are no longer around. Um, or there was a fight along the way and that's been brutal. Um, even more, I guess I would ask this is, if there is no plan in place, what is the effect on the business? Yeah, Mike, so I'll, I'll jump in and take that. Just okay. <laughs> some of the collective experience we've seen working with clients over the years. And um, yeah, I do a lot of work in, in addition to my role as a head of our private company at audit practice. I do a lot of work, work in this advisory succession and exit planning. So you really see a lot of different <laughs> situations that emerge. But the general rule is, you know, having more time, time is definitely your friend when it comes to succession planning. So having more time on your side allows you to really plan, um, you know, evaluate, think critically, evaluate different structures um, and so forth. But, you know, when there's not a plan in place, it can be just devastating to a business. You know, we, you know, situations I'm sure all of us have experienced where there's a death of a a key owner, maybe the sole owner of a business, um, you know, the very next day, what happens, you know, how does that business continue? Uh, is there some type of plan in place? Do we know, okay, you know, who kind of takes the marching orders at that point? Is there a second kind of in command, like a vice president, chief operating officer, chairman, chairwoman of the board or something? Often it, it's kind of the spouse, you know, if there is a spouse, or maybe some other family member that you know, can kind of step in and, and kind of corral the, the management group and kind of figure out what are we going to do here going forward. Um, but, you know, through that process, you know, you have this huge risk. We've talked about what if in this in this seminar, but, you know, what, what, what if you lose your key employees? You know, do you have employment agreements with them? Are there kind of incentives aligned that, you know, allows it kind of favors them staying in that business environment? Or are they going to say, listen, you know, I'm not sure what the future looks like here. I'm going to go jump and move to a competitor. So, you know, real quick, you could lose some real key employees and then customers too, you know. So there's just so many risks that happen, I think, if you don't have, you know, a plan in place. And Ross talked a little bit about the, the benefit of having what we call an emergency succession plan, which I think, you know, it's twofold when we talk about succession, we're talking about this longer term planning, that's more this planned and orderly transition. And then we're talking about an emergency where, you know, the hit by the bus type scenario, and both are really critical. I mean, on that day, you know, day after a major catastrophic event like that, there should be a plan that, you know, the key individuals within the business understand and all the related key constituents like the spouse, that you can open up that plan and say, here's now what we're going to do, you know, and it's all already well thought out. And, you know, it's not going to be perfect, right? Uh, most things never are perfect, but something that at least we can go go forward with with a roadmap. And, and, and if I can, I re, you know, Lee, I think you made a great point. And I really want to, I really want to highlight that the, the one point that you made is about key employees, because key employees want to know that there's a succession plan, that they're part of it. You know, I think every business owner knows that, you know, hiring top level employees and maintaining and keeping them is vital to your business and the, the continuity of your business. 
So if they know that there's a plan in place and they're part of that plan, they're less likely to look elsewhere because they know that they have a future. Uh, mm -hmm. Usually people leave for a better opportunity and that usually revolves around their future. And so if you know, if the, as, if the employee knows that they're part of that plan, they're getting the training um, to, to be part of that, to move up different levels, whether it be starting from the lower level and working your way through the company over the years up to management and then from management to you know, executive seats uh, and to potential ownership as, as part of that. You know, I think they, them knowing that makes them want to stay uh, and be part of the solution. It's actually a really good point, especially after what's been going on this past year with COVID, which obviously is incredibly devastating to everybody. Um, and I, I have to think businesses are looking at this more now than ever before with succession planning and key person because it's too costly to not have it, not from, you know, something happens to the owner, where does it go? But you lose a key person that's a significant part of your business because there's no plan in place. That's tough to make up. And that's, that's, that's a big detriment, I have to think, for the business. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, Michael, you talked about this in a post-COVID environment or in a <laughs> concurrent COVID environment. And it's We've actually seen a lot more businesses kind of wake up a bit to the, the value of the succession and M&A, you know, talking about third party sales and so forth, you know, that that market's definitely heating up rather significantly. Yeah. And I think there's just a lot of business owners that, you know, they've gone through so many different cycles and you know, COVID may be kind of the last straw. you know, they want to, all right, now it's time for me to, to kind of transition this business or sell it. But uh, yeah, I mean, that that's such a key point, Ross and Michael, that you make about you know, succession planning, I think maybe going back to the definition, I mean, I've seen it be incredibly beneficial to companies. Once they kind of go through this and set the plan in place, I think they're much more successful. I think, you know, the growth is better, profitability is better, employee engagement is better. You know, they're focused on ways that they can build enterprise value. Um, so that's just, you know, another, I think, added benefit of it. Yeah. So, Ross, what are some scenarios where succession planning is needed? So aside from the, the, the owner is retiring and there's been a uh, transition plan in place uh, for when the owner retires, a lot of things that we are concerned with on the insurance front is what if someone were, if an owner were to pass away or become incapacitated where they're disabled and they can't be part of the business? What are some of the solutions there? And there's a few scenarios where this planning has to be laid out and done. If there are partners involved, the, the key here to think about is how will the partners, if, if partner A passes away, how will partners B and maybe C buy out the estate? Uh, because when they pass away, their, their equity in the company will go to their family. But if their family's not involved in the business, you know, we you need to buy them out. So a lot of times what companies will do is they'll have an ins a cross-purchase plan in place where there's insurance, all the owners have insurance on one another so that those proceeds can be used to buy out the estate. Um, so that is part of that, you know, peaceful, peaceful process. So, you know, you pass away, the funds come in from the insurance company, the other business owners turn that over to the estate, the estate signs over their equity in the company. 
so, so that is one way uh, where the insurance gets involved in transferring uh, of a business. Uh, another scenario would be, let's say there's only one business owner and there's a key employee that would has expressed interest in taking over the business. That key employee can have the insurance out on the business owner so that when the business owner passes away, that key employee now has the funds to buy out the estate. So similar to a buy-sell, but just without an owner, this is with a, a key person. And another, another thing here, another question that sometimes comes up is, you're a business owner, it's a family-held business, you have a son or a daughter that is, is in the business with you and you know, they're part of it day to day, they're in the trenches with you, you know, and the business is going to transfer to them. What if there are other children that are not part of the business? You know, if, if child A receives the business, child B and C receive nothing, there's going to be a little bit of jealousy there. So sometimes a way to overcome that, just a little bit, uh, some, sometimes a way to overcome that is with insurance. So it's like child A will get the, the business, child B and C will get, the, uh, get some insurance proceeds to kind of level the playing field. So those are like three quick scenarios uh, where, um, you know, some planning needs to happen in, in that is in the event that there's an emergency, an yeah. injury, illness and death. So, you know, I was saying life insurance, but it could also be disability as well. You actually brought so, up something that's interesting is uh, injury. Something happens to a business owner or a key person. They didn't pass away. They're incapacitated for what, for whatever reason, having that planning put in place is a huge factor because they're the decision maker in that business. And without them, who's making the decision? How does this work? Uh, and, and I could see where businesses could fall down because of that. And, and having the plan in place, sorry, Lee, uh, you know, having the plan in place does a couple of things. A, if you're incapacitated, who's going to take over, keep that business afloat? Because A, if you're incapacitated and you recover, what are you coming back to? B, if you're incapacitated and you can't come back, you need there needs to be something there to sell. Mm -hmm. so, so that's why the plan and the insurance um, is vital to have uh, in line. Michael, I was gonna add to the, the discussion about, you know, the, the sale between partners, you know, um, and really critical to step back and even think, you know, what's the buy-sell agreement? So there should be an agreement between, as part of the shareholder or member owner agreement, you know, how that works, um, how, you know, the, the buying and the selling, um, you know, there, there's going to be some type of process um, when there's going to be a sale or exchange of ownership interest, um, you know, how does that get valued? You know, so what's the method of valuing for that? Um, and really the goal is to prevent, I'm going to call them outsiders from, you know, inadvertently acquiring ownership. <laughs> so, you know, two, two shareholders and one shareholder passes away and now the spouse becomes an owner and kind of an operator in this business, or maybe it's a child. And that's likely, that's not really the goal of the other uh, shareholder. They don't really want to have <laughs> kind of an outsider having ownership and say, so that's the benefit of the buy-sell, but really critical to just make sure that's clear, make sure you have one in the first place. <laughs> so um, that, that's just something I wanted to highlight. Perfect, perfect. Ross, I'm gonna put this to you again. Um, I don't mean to 
interrogate you, but I'll throw this, this question to you. How can succession plan, how, how are they funded? And I know that that comes up because people in general don't have a couple million dollars sitting in their account waiting to buy out their partner, the business owner. How do they go about doing that? Great question. Thanks, Michael. There, there are several ways to do it, and they all have their pros and cons. And, and I think, Lee, you'll jump in afterward to talk about some maybe the, the tax consequences here. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the ways that, that jump out uh, are, you know, the survivors could take a loan um, and, you know, but they, so they can leverage their assets, take a loan against it. Um, the problem with doing something like that is if you take a loan against the business, you're, you're kind of handcuffing the business if it needs liquidity for later on. Uh, you need to expand, you know, buy more equipment. So you're tapping into the company's ability to get more funding later on. So while a loan is a way to do it, it, it is going to hurt the company in other potential ways. Um, or it could, if you're taking a personal loan, there are the risks involved with that as well. If something goes wrong, you now are on, on the hook for any loan that you took. Um, so that is, that is one uh, downfall. Uh, personal funds, you could tap into your personal assets. Uh, but again, I think, as you said, you know, not a lot of people have that kind of money laying around. It would involve liquidation of assets, which on top of creating the funds, now you have a taxation issue uh, for, you know, any capital gains on li- liquidating those, those assets. Um, a third way would be an unplanned buy-in. So you have to go out and find a buyer from the outside who has that kind of liquidity. Um, the, the downfall on that is you're doing this in a hurry and you may not have the right opportunity to vet the person to make sure that they're a personality fit, that they're what they want to do, the direction they want to take the company in fits the model um, of what has been the plan. So again, it's an option, but is it always the best? Now, sometimes it works out uh, beautifully. Um, so you know, the, these are not all doom and gloom. You know, sometimes they do work out, um, but there is you know that potential pitfall. And obviously, the last one of the last ways is, and the thing that that we work with is is insurance and having obtaining insurance for pennies on the dollar. Uh, so that there is that liquidity there. You don't have to take loans. You don't have to liquidate assets. You're not tapping into uh, the strength of the company uh, and the money is there um, to do it. So those are some of the ways that we look at uh, and see companies um, funding their their agreements. Mm-hmm. Lee, you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I would say another another area that just kind of hits um, is very common is this area of the sellers taking notes, you know, where, you know, the seller will sell. And this is more, you know, it's not a catastrophic, you know, it's 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 a planned succession, you know, where, where uh, shareholder A sells to shareholder B or a group of other shareholders or members or partners. And very common, that's where, you know, the, 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 the selling um, member takes paper, what we call base. So basically, they don't get money. They don't get proceeds up front. Maybe they get a little bit based on the personal funds or some type of bank financing, but they get paid out over time. And essentially it's the business is paying that shareholder off based on the ongoing profitability of the business. So that's, that's a very common structure. Um, and there's different ways to, to do that. Cause you know, the seller's obviously concerned about getting paid 
right? You know, they may not really have, they want to retire, they want to slow down. So they're not actively involved in the business anymore, but yet they have this huge um, receivable essentially from the other uh, shareholders or members that, you know, that, that they're banking on. So there's a way to put, put in different protections there. You know, often those sellers will still have, you know, kind of some uh, approval requirements. Maybe the annual business plan has to be approved. If there's an expansion of the business, they have to approve that. If they're going to do any M&A transactions, they have to approve that. Uh, maybe firing or key personnel decisions, they may have to approve. Uh, there's certain covenants that can be put in place where, you know, if the business tanks, you know, subsequently, uh, they could basically call those notes. So there's a whole host of things that can help protect the seller in that case. And, um, you know, because typically those things uh, don't really have personal guarantees or they may have personal guarantees of the, uh, the members that are purchasing them or they may not have personal guarantees. So really that creditor, we, well, now they're a creditor basically. Um, so you know, there's creditor protection rights. I mean, it, from just a short conversation, there's a lot, it, it's, it's nice to know and it's nice to know and also kind of overwhelming to know that there's an insane number of options and choices that an owner has. But even, and Lee, I'll, I'll put this to you because as you're talking about all this and Ross, you sort of brought this up about tax limitations. And is there one that's more beneficial or is it, you know, Lee, what do you think and, and or can give some insight into this? Um, what works better, doesn't work better, Help us yeah. understand that. Sure. Thank you, Michael. So, yeah, you know, it's it's interesting, at least our view on, on tax planning is, you know, tax should not drive your or your your strategy. You know, it's it's definitely a critical component, but the, the most critical thing is really to understand and evaluate, you know, what your objectives are, understanding as the business owner what you're looking to accomplish. So, you know, is it that you have key employees that you'd like to maybe sell ownership interest to? Do you sell it all outright at some period? Do you sell it over time? Do you have, you know, key children or other family members involved in the business? So now you get involved in these things of, is there going to be a sale to those family owners or is there going to be some type of gifting? So now you're getting into gifting strategies, which can be very beneficial because, you know, as long as you work with the gifting strategy in such a way, you're going to basically avoid the tax on the seller as well as the, the buyer, although they're not really seller or buyer in this case because it's gifting. But that can definitely be a, a really nice play um, over some period of time. As, as Ross indicated, again, the objectives and the landscape. Are there other children, though, that now maybe you have to consider, you know, where one child's involved in the business, the other one's not. So how do you kind of equalize that equation? But um, yeah, there's definitely, there's a whole host of, you know, different tax structures and ways um, to help minimize uh, taxes. But I, I would just caution that, you know, we always start with kind of the, the strategy and the overall objectives first. And then from there develop, you know, what, what can be done from a tax standpoint uh, to help minimize that or make it as tax efficient as possible. So that's really key to just work with your tax advisor and have them involved early are early on in these conversations as we talked about as a team to do that. I would say there's there's some kind of really interesting tax advantages. We didn't touch on it too much, but with employee stock ownership plans. So mm -hmm. for businesses where that may be a, a viable strategy, there's some really interesting ways to, you know, basically sell the business as the owner 
And as long as you can roll that into um, replaceable type securities, you can actually defer tax. And then the actual business, since it's now like a benefit plan, can actually, um, there's no tax to the actual, um, you know, the, 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 the owners going forward, at least as they get that ownership interest until they get some length of cash out, then there is. But so, yeah, there's, there's a whole host of things. Um, I don't want to say that there's one structure that's preferential over another. You know, I feel like as we're talking through this, I feel like it's one of those where a business owner, whether they've done this or not, um, they, they would sit with their advisor advisement team and they would just say, I want this, I want this, and just throw all the ideas out at the board and just get it all out there, everything. And then they kind of just filter through and prioritize. And ultimately, when done properly, they have like this vision, this idea of what they want to see. And by doing it this way, they can achieve it versus just sitting down and say, well, so-and-so did this, so-and-so did this, I should do this. When that may not even be what they want. So what I'm hearing, and I hope for those that attend and rewatch this video, the key takeaways, number one, is to build your team of advisors, your CPA, your attorney, your insurance advisor. Number two, create a plan that's for you, not a template that you get online that you say, oh, I'll just fill in the names and the information. And third, Ross, you said this, review. Have to review it because things change. Um, any final thoughts as we're wrapping up today? Lee, Ross? Yeah, I would just say, uh, uh, Michael, you're spot on, I think, with those, those key takeaways. And, um, and I would say, you know, from a, from a planning standpoint, it's really critical. I agree with your view. You, know, you really have to kind of start with a blank part, you know, and really evaluate what, what, is that, what is it that the, the uh, existing owner wants to get? You know, what does he want to accomplish here he or her? Um, you know, and it could be, well, I want to see continuity of the business. I want to be able to you know, maximize my return. You know, I want to retire and do these things, you know, so often that plays, you know, those objectives will play a real key decision point in how you chart the path going forward. Absolutely. Michael, from my perspective, I think, you know, you, you made some great points uh, in the wrap up at the end. I think the, the one, my favorite, uh, if, I, if I can pick a favorite here, is, is the periodic review because a lot of times people make their plan, they put it in the drawer, they forget about it, um, and they never go back to it. And they could have things in that plan, first of all, that are not up to date. If you, you know, if you've funded it with insurance and the company was valued at X dollars, you know, when you did the plan, but five years later, you know, the company is worth significantly more, well, then you're insufficiently covered and that could create an issue. But also, you know, if in your plan, there are people that you thought would be involved that you've named as potential successors. And now that they, they may not be around, whether it be they left the business and went elsewhere, they, or they were family members who you thought were interested and decided it wasn't for them. Um, there, so there could be a multiple re of reasons why people you know, originally were in the plan and, and are no longer in the plan. So again, you know, that's what the periodic review comes from. Right. Great. Well, thank you, everyone. Ross, Lee, thank you for joining thank in you, and being part of this. Um, and for those that attended, thank you for joining. For those that are watching the replay, thank you very much for watching. I hope you got a lot of information and um, useful 
information that you can use to help your business and continue that, that business for the future. Um, our next broadcast will be on May 12th, Wednesday, May 12th at 11 a.m. Eastern. Mark your calendar. The topic will be on key person protection. We look forward to seeing everyone then. And please feel free. We'll send out the invitations again. And feel free to share this, these invitations with anyone that you feel could benefit from these upcoming, this next upcoming uh, workshop. It's the second one in this three-part series. Thank you again for joining and enjoy the rest of your weekend and stay safe. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Thank you.